0: Well, good morning, church, and welcome. Turn to your next-door neighbor and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. And you at home, do the same, even if you're by yourself in the living room. Tell yourself you're glad you showed up today. Now, we're super excited that you guys made a decision. To be here with the family of God today, whether you're here in person or joining us online, man, we're so thankful that you have made a decision to shine like Jesus wherever you're at, to be Jesus in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your family and friends. Thank you for shining like Jesus in this very difficult and chaotic atmosphere that we live in right now. I'm so pumped to be together on the first day of the week to celebrate Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He has risen from the grave. He sits at the right hand of God. Amen. And because of that, we can have all the confidence in the world and the hope that only Jesus Christ can offer us. We celebrate that every day by living a life of gratitude for what he's done for us. And we don't just hold that into ourselves. We pass that on to those around us. Share the love the inclusion, the hope that only Jesus Christ can give us and the world around us. Uh, this morning, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 10, and so I hope you've got your Bibles with you and you'll turn with me there. Uh, it'll be on the screen in this room and, of course, on the screen at home if you're gathered around maybe the kitchen table or in your living room uh, watching us online. We're so glad that, uh, again, that you've made a decision to be with us. As we continue this series, we're calling Love in Action because after just watching the past few weeks and months of our country kind of seem to fall apart, uh, we need to be reminded as people of God, we're called to live differently. We don't want to live by the script that the world gives us, the script the media gives us, or any of those political factions and parties give us. We want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? We want to be the kind of people that can absolutely, assuredly rest in the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus, His love for us, the forgiveness that He offers to us for the sin that we have in our life and the hope that we have in His resurrection that we too will join Him uh, very soon in that heavenly home. And we look forward to that moment uh, together. Uh, Some of the information that we're going to dig into today, of course, comes out of Luke chapter 10. That's the bulk of everything. But I want to remind you, too, there's other resources that we garner along the way. One of those is uh, one of the sources I'm using today is Brene Brown's book called Rising Strong. If you haven't read that yet, I encourage you to do so. I love her work on just unpacking why we act the way we do as human beings. Uh, And just kind of the social aspect and the psychological aspect of who we are. She does a lot of uh, work in that regard uh, to helping us better understand ourselves. But church, I think more than any time maybe in our recent history, right now the church needs to shine. Maybe more than any other time in our recent history, we need to be a light in the communities in which we find ourselves because this world is falling apart. We know that. That's because Satan's plan is coming together for a lot of folks, but we want to make sure that the world knows who Jesus Christ is. We want to make him famous in the way that we talk, the way that we act, the way that we live our lives out for those around us. And so the text we're going to take a look at today is one that's going to be very familiar to you. If you grew up in church at all, you've heard this story before where Jesus interacts with a lawyer from his time period, obviously, and then he remembers reminds those in his audience and us today how we're called to live in very difficult circumstances, how we're called to, to love despite what is going on around us. Indeed, it calls us as people who believe in Jesus to be people of action, not just words, but that Jesus' own love should be evident in our life by the way we treat those around us. And so, as we dig into this second week in this series, I want to begin reading our story in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we'd all love the answer to that question, right? Most of us know the answer to that question, but he goes on, Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? I mean, how do you read it? Well, the man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we heard that text from another gospel last week, the gospel of Mark chapter 12. Jesus told him, "Right, do this, and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, Then who is my neighbor? This lawyer is asking Jesus because he truly wants to know what he needs to do. What is it that I where's the line that I need to approach in order to be be in good favor with God? Tell me exactly what I need to do in my life to be right with God. I want to know right where the line is so that I can get to the line, but then maybe not go another step forward. And it is actually a question that this world Our country is asking each other right now, who is my neighbor? Who's the person that I need to be empathetic with, sympathetic with? Who do I need to show compassion to? Show me who that person is. I mean, clearly this man, by the the reading of the text, it's evident that he seems to have kept the commands of God. He seemed to be a loving person. He seemed to be willing to help out where he needed to. Uh, He kept the Ten Commandments, obviously, more than likely honored his mother and father, went to church on the weekends, delivered food to to those widows who were shut in and couldn't get out. I mean, this is a guy that was on the hospitality group at the church building. He he was all about trying to serve God in different ways. But we know that ultimately he's trying to get to a self-centered question. And if I know human nature well, if you're anything like me, we can all be about some of me, pouring into me, can't we? We can be those kind of people. We can be about pedicures and manicures, because I've seen you guys on social media, believe me. I've, I've seen some of that action. Uh, we can be about the massage going out to eat i mean all this idea of pouring in to me we can be about our hobbies and and buying, buying the next best thing to get us even to be a better hunter or fisherman or the next tech gadget whatever it is we can be about pouring into us and paul says in ephesians chapter 5 hey no one hates himself But he takes care of his own body. He cares for it and he feeds it. And Jesus knows in our story that this guy is going somewhere, that he is moving in a direction where he actually wants to kind of corner Jesus and get a definite answer to his question. We believe that we have only so much really to give. I mean, there's only so much in the jar that I can pour out and help other folks around me. There's only so much mercy, only so much compassion, only so much forgiveness, only so much love that I can really share with those around. And at some point, it goes away. There's nothing left. I have nothing left to offer. Why would he ask Jesus this particular question? And the bottom line is because he doesn't want to waste what he has on people that he doesn't need to worry about. He's got his own list his own agenda, his own grouping of folks where he recognizes this is what I have to offer and I don't want to really do one more thing. And so we ask the question beginning this morning, then who qualifies for my love and my compassion? What list do I have of people who qualify for my time, my experience, my love, and my compassion? I mean, is it my, my, my Facebook neighbor, those hundreds of people that I'm friends with on social media? Those Is that the group that I'm really called to pour into? Is it my literal next-door neighbors to my left and my right? Is it folks who root for the same team as I, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Tech? So many times we start the checklist to qualify who belongs and who do I need to give compassion to? Who do I need to give myself to? And the truth is, when we look at the story of Jesus Christ and his gospel, it could be your, your neighbor that talks differently than you do, with a different brogue, a different dialect. It could be your neighbor who has a different skin color than, than you do. Maybe your, your neighbor who might have a different educational background could be your neighbor who is a single parent, a non-nuclear family. Maybe it's someone who is homeless. Maybe somebody who votes differently than you do. Maybe they've chosen a different type of lifestyle than you've chosen. And Jesus is going to open things up for us to see exactly who should be on that list for you and for me. It's the question that we're all asking, our country is asking, indeed this world is asking right now, who really is my neighbor? Because as human beings, we overtly or subconsciously look for loopholes in that, don't we? Who can I limit on my list? And like so many times before, Jesus is going to answer this question not by giving an answer, but by telling a story. He is the greatest storyteller of all time. And we lean into those gospel accounts, and we glean from those stories that he tells us. And so he starts his story by saying, there is a priest, there's a Levite, and there's a Samaritan, and this is not a bar joke, okay? I'm worried about y'all. Y'all laughed at that, which means you knew what I was talking about. But Jesus understands his audience. I mean, he's talking to the church of his day. He's telling the story to people that he goes to church with, people that he goes to the marketplace with, people that he plays out on the street with and their children. He's talking to the folks that he interacts with each and every day in his village, his town, his neighborhood. And our question today is, how do we respond in our current cultural milieu? What is it that we need to be doing? How do we glean something of importance for ourselves today based upon the story that Jesus ends up Telling. So let's continue our reading. Luke chapter ten, verse twenty-nine. Thirty. Jesus replied with a story. He says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them, and then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. Jesus answers the all-important question with this incredible story. And we see in verse 31 that initially a priest walks by, but it's out of sight, out of mind, which reminds me in our own life that, that I, can, I can keep my distance from people Around, I can just kind of ignore what's going on because I don't see it. And if I don't see it, then I really don't have to deal with it. I can just ignore what's actually going on around me in our country, in our neighborhoods, in the towns in which we live. And I can choose to be like the priest and just just kind of act like it's not even there. When I first started in ministry in Ponca City, Oklahoma, many, many years ago, Uh, our boys were very young. They were born in Ponca City. And uh, every Wednesday night at our congregation, we had a moment where we gathered first and then we went to our classrooms. And uh, every single Wednesday night, we had the opportunity uh, that I led for the young guys to come up and lead a song before we went to class. And uh, my boys were no different than any other boys. They wanted to be a part of that. And so at two and four, I had a chair up there. I would Put it up to the lectern at the front, and then they would crawl up in the chair and, and they would lead the same song every single week. <laughs> For Tanner, it was As the Deer. What are we going to sing this week, Tanner? As the Deer. We would sing As the Deer. For Garrett, it was Jesus Loves Me. He was too. But there was one particular Wednesday night, I remember Garrett came up to lead his song. I pulled the chair up. He got up in the chair, and I said, What do you want to lead? And he said, I want to lead Jesus Loves Me. Okay. So I went to announce, and in that moment, I realized Garrett had filled up his diaper. (laughs) It was not a good experience, I'll tell you that right now. It was hard to ignore. And church, right now in our culture, it is hard to ignore what is going on around us. The hate, the envy, the talk, and chatter back and forth. But for some of us, we pass by this world Around us, just because it might be inconvenient for me to stop and offer some love and some compassion along the way. I just don't have time in my busy schedule. There's no margin in my day to stop and look like Jesus, to shine the light, to bring flavor to the world around us. So we could be like the priest, or we could be like in verse 32, the Levite who is a temple servant. I mean, this guy is pure he is clean, he is righteous, he is worthy to enter the temple. I mean, this guy wears two masks, not just one. And he washes his hands every uh, so often for 20 seconds. He is absolutely right where he needs to be. But this guy happens to walk over and he, he looks at the guy who's been beaten up, but then decides to move on with his own life, which reminds me that we too can be intrigued about what's going on, but we can be uninvolved in what's happening. We, we can pay attention, we can notice, but make a decision to be uninvolved with what's going on around us. I can choose to be indifferent, and church, you've seen that in your life as well. Religion does not make people love. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in you is what makes us love other people. It's not the church. So if I'm not careful, I can just just simply walk by the, the homeless man on the corner or the tearful spouse in the lobby of any given church building. I can simply walk by the disenfranchised Person of color, or simply walk by the defiant teenager because we really don't know what their home life is truly like. I can choose to, to act interested but really uninvolved with a single parent who's trying to make ends meet with the kids that she has and she's trying to support. And I can be that kind of person because I'm I'm just too busy. My schedule doesn't allow me to get involved. I can ignore I can be uninvolved, or I can be someone who cares for those around me, as Jesus spells out in his own story. I mean, r- raise your hand if when you're sick you like to be pampered just a little bit. Go ahead. Don't, don't make me be alone in this. Thank you. Yeah, there was a moment several years ago when I had my 40th birthday, and Robin had planned this really incredible birthday weekend for me, and it was all a secret. I knew nothing about it. There was a cabin in southeastern Oklahoma she had rented it on the lake, and all my family was coming in to celebrate. It was going to be a great time. She got home from school that day on Friday, and I had the stomach flu like I've never had it before. I mean, I was in the bathroom more than I was in bed. And so she revealed to me kind of the plan that she had had, and I was so sorry. And in between throwing up and coming back and forth, I was, thank you so much. I appreciate you thinking of me. But she was, once she made the phone calls and told everybody the weekend's off, she made sure that I was taken care of. And that felt good to have someone taking good care of me and loving on me. But if someone else is in that spot, how do you act? I know what my typical first reaction is. Hey, pull your bootstraps up. Let's go. We've got a party to get to, right? You're not going to ruin my day and my weekend. (laughs) Let's go. If it's me, I want to be pampered a little bit. But for other people, maybe we're not so careful in how we interact with that. So Jesus moves on in this process in verse 33, and he says, but then a despised Samaritan came along. Now remember, Jesus is talking to other Jews, people that he goes to church with, people that he shops with, people that he's on the street with every single day. He's talking to people that, that are with him, that are part of his crew, if you will. Remember last week we talked about and unpacked why did the Jews really hate the Samaritans, And we came up with kind of three main reasons. One, they broke up the United Kingdom and they became a divided kingdom. And then they created worship centers other than Jerusalem to worship uh, so they wouldn't have to come to Jerusalem to worship. And then finally, they intermarried with other groups of people who were not God's chosen people. The Jews thought they were really self-righteous. They they were pure. They had done everything just like God had wanted them to do. And so the Samaritans were not to be liked. They were were the enemy of the Jewish people. They were hated by the Jews. They, They were... Those kind of people. And I don't know what your list may look like, and it may be one that you have overtly talked about. It may be one that you secretly keep in your heart of hearts. But those kind of people could be people who are homeless, people who don't have a job and you believe are kind of slackers people who might go to a different denomination or a different church, people on the wrong end of the country, whether that's north or south, people of different skin color, people who are OU fans. I mean, there are lots of different lists that we can make. It's true. But in this story, it would appear to the Jews who are listening that Jesus is finally going to get to the real meat of the story, and he's going to put the Samaritans in their place. It's going to be a great story, his audience is thinking. And then finally, in verse 33, he goes on to say, but the Samaritan felt compassion for him. The person listeners hated the most in the story was the very one that Jesus just made the hero. The the guy that was on everybody's list in Jesus' audience It's the very one that he made the hero of the story. The Jews lived their lives saying that they couldn't stand this group or that group, and the Samaritans were near the top of the list of people that they absolutely hated. And we point the finger at those Jewish people time and time again. But let's get real for a minute. Because we have people in our own lives that we've made a list for, people that we point fingers at as well. We have the Democrats versus Republicans. We have black versus white, black versus Hispanic, we have your church versus any other church, Texas versus Oklahoma, we have seniors versus teenagers, hetero lifestyle versus the homosexual lifestyle, we have the citizen versus the police officer right now. We have the north versus the south. The world doesn't want anything to do with God's church because so many times the world looks at what we have to offer and it doesn't look too much different than the world around us because you and I make a decision to make a list. We don't seem to be able to get along. And Jesus in our story is looking at each and every one of us, and he says, yeah, those people you put on the list, those are the people who are your neighbors. Just like he's talking to his audience 2,000 years ago, the Samaritan that you put on the list, that's, that's your neighbor. The one who's your, your sworn enemy, that's the one that you need to look to to understand really how to love. And he tells us that today as well. Jesus uses their enemy to show them, this is what it looks like. This is how you should live. And so I'm reminded in our own life that there are some things that we can do based upon this story that will help us really better understand how we're called to love and show compassion and be merciful and be lights in the communities where we live. And the first idea is this, that we have got to see the need, church, for Sympathy. We've got to walk a little little bit in somebody else's shoes. In verse 33, it says, When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out. He looked beyond the man, the situation. He saw someone created in the image of God and stopped to help. See, sympathy is looking at other people through God's eyes. It's seeing God's creation the desire to help them in every way that we possibly can to shine. You and I have got to figure out a way to kind of get rid of the labels and and throw away the list and to make sure that we're showing sympathy and compassion and love to all those around us, no matter who they are. You remember last week we talked about Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus is talking to his disciples and in turn talking to us today, and he says, you remember I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I didn't have many clothes on, but you clothed me anyway. I wasn't feeling well, and yet you attended to me. I was in prison, and you visited me. His disciples said, when did I see you like that, Jesus? And Jesus says, as, as much as you did it for one of the least of my creation, you did it for me. And Jesus reminds us that we're called to love, not from a list, but everyone created in His image. One of the best stories I I can find of opening eyes and opening hearts is the story of Moses. And most of us who grew up in church kind of know that story. Moses is an Israelite who eventually, when he's born, is placed in a basket, placed in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter uh, goes down to take a bath, sees the basket, opens it up, discovers a baby. She adopts Moses. He grows up in the palace. One of the superpowers in the time that that the story occurs. He's got everything that he ever wanted, but eventually Moses recognizes that he's really not an Egyptian, that in fact his people are the Israelites. And when his eyes are opened, his heart is opened. It says that about God too in Exodus chapter 3. It says, I have seen their misery, and therefore I'll have compassion on them and release them from slavery. Because church, right now, we have a whole lot of wounded people walking around us. We have a whole lot of people who desperately need to see the love and the hope that only Jesus can provide them. And you get to be the hands and feet to show them that love. Right now, our, our teachers are in a difficult spot. I am married one, so I get to be right there and hear the stories of what they're having to go through and the the burden that they they have right now trying to teach on the school level, online and in person. Now, Robin is one of those teachers, and she told me last week on separate occasions, she saw just kind of a couple of her coworkers weighted down, and she approached each one of them separately and just said, listen, I'm praying for you, you're enough. And those words triggered a release in those teachers and the tears began to fall. Church, that's our opportunity. We have a hurting world around us, teacher or not, where we can express love to them and remind them that God sees them, God knows their story, God knows them by name, and he loves and cares for them. But you and I, our schedules get in the way, we get super busy and Satan could not be more happy that you and I have no margin in our schedules to stop and show the compassion that God has shown us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a call to do just that. Not only sympathize, but also to realize that I must empathize with their pain. I've got to be the person God's called me to be. In verse 33, it says, his heart was filled with compassion. And over the last few decades of the civil rights movement, what we see time and time again are people of all colors who are coming alongside those minorities, supporting them, saying, I see your story. I hear you. I know who you are. I join with you in support. Other people have walked along with other people's journey in various and sundry ways, showing empathy and sympathy along the way. Johnny Cash has this song called Walk a Mile, and part of it says, if I could be you, if you could be me for just one hour, if we could find a way to get inside each other's mind, if you, could see, if you could see through my eyes instead of your own ego, I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind. Walk a mile in my shoes, just walk a mile in my shoes before you abuse, criticize, and accuse, then walk a mile in my shoes." And it's a call for us as Christian people, really, Jesus in his story, to say, take a moment. Time out. Show the love and compassion of Jesus to those around you. Understand their story rather than jumping to conclusions. Last week, I limit myself on the news that I watch, but I was watching one particular segment, and it showed these two kids sitting on a sidewalk outside a Taco Bell. And I thought, man, that's poor parenting. What in the world? Or maybe good. Maybe they're waiting on free food. I don't know. But the story revealed that they were homeless kids, and that was the only place that they could find internet, sitting on the sidewalk outside of Taco Bell. It's a reminder to not make judgment calls, but lean into the story of those around you. And I'm sure you've heard the story I've told before about the man on the subway in New York City. He's on the subway, his head in his hands, his three kids are running all around the car until finally the other occupants of the car can't take it anymore. One person speaks up and says, sir, could you please control your kids? And he pops up from his hands, kind of in a daze, and he says, I'm so sorry. I just left the hospital where their mother died of cancer, and I'm trying to figure out how to move forward in life. Instantly, the story changes. Compassion, empathy, sympathy, mercy, the love of God, you and I are called then by expressing empathy and sympathy to those around us, then we can put love in action. That's our call as people of God, to live more than just words, but to actually behavior, treat others as you would want to be treated. In verse 34, he ends up putting salve on the person who's been beat up. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to the local inn where he pays for his room and board and medical treatment. He puts his love in action. The Samaritan actually takes care of his enemy. Solomon says in Proverbs chapter three, verse 27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. God wants you to be salt and light right where you're at. And some of us begin thinking about European theaters or the African theater, different areas of the world. And we begin becoming overloaded with the idea of how can I help when really we're called to help right where you're at, to be Jesus right where you're at. And church, we love people. Because Jesus loves people. If you agree with that, say amen. It's okay. We love people because Jesus loves people. And so it's time for you and I to lay down the cold shoulder. It's time to free up some time so that we can serve those around us. It's time to have that conversation that you've been kind of putting on the back burner for months and maybe years. It's time to reconcile with that person in your family or friend group that you've been withholding love from. It's time to look at people in their story and not presume or judge, but to lean in and ask, how can I help? Jesus says in that upper room, John chapter 13, he says, a new command I give you, to love like I have loved you, to lean into others like I've leaned into you, to offer compassion and hope like I've offered compassion and hope to you. And so today, may you lay aside whatever script you have been using and really become a person of light and salt, to lean into those in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your friend group, with with your family, to be the person Jesus has created you to be. Church, right now is our time to shine. Right now, the world, maybe more than ever in our recent history, needs to see the love of Christ in each and every one of us, no matter what's going on around us. And so may the Holy Spirit empower you to do great and mighty things like you never thought possible. May the Holy Spirit give you avenues and open doors to share the hope that only Christ can offer this world. May you be the light that Jesus is and offer the hope that only he can offer in our lives. Let's all stand now and give praise to that incredible King of Kings and Lord of Lords.